uh, on this snowy day. Uh, I heard 70 tomorrow. Not really, but uh, you hear a lot of things, you know what I mean? It's like uh, you see something on the internet, it must be true, right? Um, hey, would you uh, please pull this out of your program? Uh, it uh, is called the Son of God, and I want to share something with you about this. Um, this movie came out this weekend called Son of God, and we have actually rented a uh, movie theater, and uh, there will be limited tickets, but what we're encouraging everyone is don't invite, you know, your brother, your sister, 500 people who uh, already know Jesus, but if you have a co-worker or a neighbor or someone who is far from God that you think this would be a good movie you could go with and have a, a connection point with, if you stop by the resource table, you can sign up, and uh, we will try to uh, get tickets for that. But what we're encouraging people is that uh, you can take your family, just take them a different day, but uh, if it's someone that you've been praying for, someone that you know doesn't go to church or disconnected, that you, uh, we have uh, opportunity for you to go uh, to a movie. And then what's going to be really cool, that's going to happen on March 15th, and then on March 16th, we're actually going to begin a four-week series on the Son of God using clips from the movie that we purchased already uh, to try to engage people uh, in the story of Jesus. So if you can do that, invite someone uh, both to this teaching series uh, and uh, to the movie if you want. Anybody here remember the very first time you had a dream of greatness? Like maybe when you were a kid, you wanted to be a cowboy, or uh, you wanted to be a cowgirl, or you wanted to be Superman, or you wanted to be uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, but when we're kids, uh, growing up, I bet there was something that you wanted to be that was greater than yourself. Some kind of grandiose experience uh, that you could be that was greater than you. Now for me, as a little kid, what I wanted to be was Superman, um, because Superman is cool. And uh, the only problem was uh, the family that uh, I raised in a great family that loved people. The only thing was uh, we couldn't afford the Superman outfit. So the way that we kind of did it was I would get a towel, and then uh, you got, you know, one of these things. Does anyone even put clothes on the line anymore? I don't, a couple, okay. Um, but most of us don't do that. But they, there was a time when you didn't have a dryer, folks. And so you had to, I'm not that old to remember that, but my parents are. And so uh, they would keep doing that. And so you'd put this on uh, like so, and now I became Superman. Now, uh, what I also would do is I'd take some underwear and I'd put it over my Wrangler blue jeans you want me to, no, I'll spare you from that uh, uh, this morning. That, some of you have an image already that you're like, oh, that's not good. And what I would do then, I would just fly around the house because I had this great kind of dream in my life thinking that I could be that guy, that I could be a super man. And the reality is all of us have uh, 
thoughts of that when we're growing up as a child. And the reason I like Superman is because Superman was very cool. And remember, he had his own motto. Remember the motto? Uh, Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a goat. Did somebody say a goat? No. It's a, it's a, it's, yeah, Superman. And you know, underneath, like his cape and his uh, disguise, he was a man of steel. He wasn't afraid of anything. He wasn't confused. He was never weak. He was always saving people. And the really cool thing was, he was always serving the public. Serving other people. And I wanted his x-ray vision. Mainly so I could find the birthday presents and Christmas presents, you know, that my parents hid. Like you could look on the other side. I wanted his strength so that I could take a steel bar and bend it in half. But most of all, when you look at Superman, the thing that I always wanted was to have his chest. You know what I mean? Like he has this huge, gigantic chest with an S on it. The only problem is, as you can very well tell, uh, I wasn't given that gift. In fact, when I was in high school, they used to call me Birdman because I had a bird chest. So I thought, you know, I'd have like a little bee uh, and just kind of put it on there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'd be the Birdman because I had a bird chest, not a Superman chest. Well, today, one of the greatest discoveries that you can make in your life is the realization that you don't have to be Superman. You don't have to be superwoman. But that you can have a super life when you step up and you serve in a super way other people, and in particular, this church. Jesus put it this way. Let's read this uh, scripture out loud together. Let's read out loud together. Jesus said, Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to be great, if you want to be super, if you want to have significance in your life, then you must become a servant. You've got to step up and you have to serve. Folks, God's plan for your life, which I've been talking about over the last few weeks, is that God wants to make you look more like Jesus. And the way that you can kind of jumpstart that particular preparation is by serving. When I serve, I increase that process. Jesus said this, if you keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. You see, this is one of the guiding principles of faith. If you want to lose your life, then you hold on tight to it. But if you want to gain life, if you want to find life, then you give your life away and you serve other people. You get out and you serve. You know, as your pastor, I care about you. I care about your family. I care about your spiritual growth. I care about how you are growing as an individual. And the reality is, as a church body, 
Our church body will never be growing unless there are people that are serving. If people aren't serving, then we're not growing as a church. And so for the rest of our time, what I want to do is I want to talk about how do you serve at your church? How do you do that? How can you move forward in a life of significance? So let me give you kind of three practical ways that you can increase your serving level. Three practical steps to serve. The first one is this. That you want to eliminate excuses. If you want to be a super server, you eliminate excuses. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at this clip. Super server! Okay, we promise today that if you choose not to serve, we will not send Super Server to your house, okay? But um, we all have excuses. And when it comes to serving, many of us can come up with many different excuses. I'm amazed at how many excuses that I can come up with when it comes to serving my wife. Uh, honey, I've got to watch this ball game. Uh, I'm tired. Uh, I have to work on the teaching. It's my day off. Or this one that always gets me into trouble. My mom said today I didn't have to serve. Doesn't work. Well, no matter who you are, we all make, excuse, make excuses. But none of your excuses, folks, are new to God. It's not like God wakes up one morning and you have an excuse for something, and he's like, oh, I've never heard that one before. I mean, he's had two millenniums of excuses, okay? So I think he's heard every single one of them. And from the very beginning, the one thing that human beings have been perfect at is knowing how to make excuses. Remember, the very first story in the Bible of humankind are these two people that are put into a garden. Their names are Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are put into this garden, and God says you can have anything and everything you want, but you can't eat from this one fruit tree. What did they do? They ate from that one fruit tree. And then the excuse game began. Remember? Immediately, Adam goes, It wasn't me! It was her! Right? And then she said, It wasn't me! It was the serpent! You know, and immediately you have these excuses of why things happen. Now, you would think that maybe it would end there, but no, uh, it continued to go on until finally we get to this guy named Moses. Now, Moses is uh, the guy, you know, has the Ten Commandments. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie before, uh, he's like a centerpiece kind of, of the Old Testament. And God asked him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. God says, Moses, you're my man. I could have picked anyone, but I picked you. And you can do this. You've got the talent. You've got the time. You can do it. And what does Moses do? He makes excuses, right? 
Remember, immediately he says, I'm not a good speaker. The arthritis is kicking in. I've got a case of gout. My beard hurts. I can't do it. Now, if you look in the Bible, folks, not all of those are in there, okay? Um, But some of them are. They're excuses that he made. Flip to the New Testament, and we find a story from a guy by the name of John. Uh, John was Jesus' closest friend, and he was the only disciple who was at the cross when Jesus died on the cross. And he tells a story about a group of people who would just lie around this swimming pool. And there was this big pool of water, and they had diseases and illnesses. But this wasn't just any pool, folks. This was like the most famous swimming pool pool in the entire uh, Israel culture. And the reason why it was so famous is because uh, there was a legend that an angel would come and the angel would stir up the water. And once the water was stirred, the first person who would get into the water would be healed miraculously, of whatever their disease or illness was. Now, one of the guys who was around there had been sitting around this pool for 38 years. He had some paralysis, um, and so he was never able to quite get to the pool to be the first one in. And one day, Jesus is kind of cruising by this pool. He sees all of these sick people around there waiting for the water to stir so that they can get into the water first. And this is what it says. When Jesus saw this man, who had been there 38 years, and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, that's a fair question, don't you think? I mean, this guy's been sick for a long while, so sometimes what happens is when people are sick a long time, uh, they just get used to their sickness. And so he asked him, you know, do you want to get well? And listen how the man answers. I can't, sir, the man said. For I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I'm trying to get there, somebody always gets in ahead of me. Do you see the excuses that just start happening here? And I've got to believe that Jesus was probably like, hey, whiny boy, you know, quit whining and get up, pick up your mat and walk. I want you to walk. Now, this becomes the question I have for you this morning. What excuses do you make? What excuses in your life when it comes to serving another person that you make? I'll tell you an example that just happened to me yesterday. Confession time. I go to the gas station. There's a little sign that's up on the gas station. It says prepay. I have a credit card, so that means you're going to prepay, right? I'm not going to walk in to pay. I'm going to prepay. So I put the card in. I pull it back out. And I was going to get some gas for our um, snowblower. And so I put the gas into the tank, and I have it going. I get about two gallons, but it doesn't stop. It keeps going all over the place. In fact, I finally pull it out, and the gas is like going like this. So I'm finally beating the inside of it, and it cuts my finger, and then I start bleeding. Now, at that point, I'd love to say, I was a Christian boy. I was like, no problem. Gasoline, Lord, you know, allow me to be on fire to serve other people right now. You know what I mean? And uh, that's not what happened. I'm like looking at the dude like, did you see what happened? He's kind of looking out there. 
And finally, I'm like, okay, I probably should just walk away, but no, I didn't. I walked in there. There are four people in line. I go, hey, pump three doesn't work. Well, I had a sign on there that said, you know, prepay. I have a credit card. I prepaid. Well, you know, um, could you take this sand or whatever he had in his hand, could you go take that and go put it where the gasoline is? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I walk out of the out of the restaurant. I get into the car, and all of a sudden, I know what I'm teaching on today, folks. Serving. And the Holy Spirit convicted me right in that moment, like, bunch, what's your deal? You know, like, what is your deal? What's your deal, folks? What is it that happens in your life that prevents you from serving? other people. What's your excuse? Why do you sit on the sidelines? Why don't you humble yourself? Why don't I humble myself? What's the excuse that you and I have from serving other people? You know? So, just by a show of hands, how many of you, if you were to fill in that excuse blank, that it had something to do with being too busy or time? Raise your hand. Yeah. And, you know, those of you that didn't raise your hands, what do we call those people? Liars. Because all of you would make that excuse. You all do that all the time. There's one thing in your life that you'll say, you know what? Uh, no, I'm too busy. Well, maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Most of the time, we're not. This is what I found, is that many times, we just don't set priorities or decisions in our life that allow us to have opportunity to serve. Number one answer is that. When Jennifer and I uh, first started the church, we met in our home. And early on, uh, we tried to reach out to a lot of people. And there was one couple that had a 17-year-old daughter that was struggling with some stuff. And so we allowed her to stay with us uh, for a period of time. And she slept in our guest bedroom. This was before we had kids. And so she slept there. And our computer was in that room. And during this time, we learned what was hot and we learned what was not. And I never realized how not hot I am. You know what I mean? Like, I I thought I was really something until the 17-year-old moved in. And we also found out that um, it's not a put-down. This was in 2004. It's not a put-down if you say, you're my dog or you're a dog. Now, when I was growing up in school, if you came up to somebody and you said, you're my dog, you'd probably get hit in the mouth. You know what I mean? But now, if you tell someone, you're my dog, it's like a term of endearment. You know, it's like we're down together. We're cool. You're my sister. You're my brother. It was during this time also that instant messaging first started happening. Now, instant messaging, you know, everybody's doing it. But instant messaging was first taking place. And I walked in, and she's on the computer, and there are ten boxes that are all, like, over. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm talking to ten people. I'm like, how can you be communicating to ten people at the same time? Oh, I just know how to do it. Okay, whatever, you know. And she would be IMing this whole time. And uh, she would be on the computer. In fact, I finally figured out that at one time she had spent... 42 hours on the computer in a week. It was like an average of six. Now, 
You know, I don't want to be get meddling or anything, but some of you on Facebook, you're on there way too much. You know what I mean? You might be approaching something that's a little bit too much. Well, one night, I walk in, she's on the computer, and uh, I was giving her a hard time, and so I jokingly said, do you think there will be instant messaging in heaven? What do you think her response was? No response. She's 17. She just was like this. She ignored me. It was like I wasn't even in the room. Now I understand what's going to happen to my life about 10 to 12 years from now. I will be totally ignored. You know what I mean? So I'm getting used to it now. And so I ask, well, what, hey, hey, what if you just took the 46 hours that you're spending instant messaging all these people and you actually went to meet them, like face to face, and you started connecting with them? And maybe you would say, hey, we're going to go serve some people. Now, you know what she said with that? She said, oh, Chris, thank you so much. You have such great wisdom. You are my Jedi master. I will go and I will serve right now. Do you think she said that? No. You know what she did? She looked at me and she smiled. And then she went back to her ten friends, you know what I mean, that she was talking to all at the same time. But I think she got my point. And today, I hope you get my point. Because all of us can give the excuse, folks. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. But most of the time, what I've found in my life is when I make those excuses, what really is happening is that I am not choosing priorities or decisions that are helpful in my life. I have a feeling today that if you took an inventory of all of your time and what you spend your time on, what you would find is that there is a lot of that in which there is absolutely nothing whatsoever that deals with anything that has some earthly value and some of it we know doesn't have some eternal value. So instead of making excuses, my suggestion is, is that you just name the excuses. That's why I had you write it down. We all have limitations. I have limitations. You have limitations. We have limitations on our time, on our talents, on our energy. But when you embrace your weaknesses and say, this is an area where I struggle with, when you say, God, I'm going to operate in spite of my weaknesses, when you say that, God's like, man, that's a person that I can use. When you say, even in spite of my weaknesses, I want to be used, God can use you. Paul, the guy who wrote over half of the New Testament, he wrote this uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians. Let's read this out loud together. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more I depend on him. I love that phrase. The less I have, the more I depend on Him. You see, you embrace your limitations. You admit, hey, I'm not Superman. I'm not Superwoman. Then you serve out of your weaknesses. Today, I want to encourage you to think about serving here in the jar. It may be on the hospitality team, our children's ministry team, our setup team, our teardown team. Maybe you're a techie person and you're good with computers or you're good with sound. One of those kind of things. Here's some of the needs that we have. We, uh, in hospitality, we need six volunteers for the first celebration. The second one, we need ten. So if you can, like, uh, do coffee or you can greet someone um, or don't eat all the donuts. Like, if you're a donut, don't do that. 
uh, pick something else like setup. But uh, if you can do those things. Jar kids, we need five on each one. If you can invest in a kid, I can't imagine a greater thing that you could do than to invest in the life of another child. And so we need uh, five there. Uh, set up and tear down, uh, you know, is very important. So eight volunteers there, and then sound and media. If we could have uh, two on that, um, it would help out uh, so much. But you've got to eliminate the excuses. And that's the first key to service. The second key to service is this. Um, if you want to be a super server, a second step is you need to start small. That you start small. Let's check out this video clip. I'm never going to be able to do all these announcements. I've never done anything like this before. Well, hello there, Derek. Well, hi. I'm Super Serve. Don't start so big. Announcements are intimidating and there's lots to remember. You should start small. But how? Well, there's one job that's so menial, so pointless. There's no skill involved at all, and you basically don't do anything. What is this? Well, Chris Bunce, the pastor, does it every Sunday. You could be a teacher. I'll just teach! Yeah! All right, you don't have to clap that. I, I heard that, you know. One of the amazing things about God, is, folks, is that he really honestly can. He can take something small, and he can do great, amazing things with it. Just imagine, he took 12 people, and he revolutionized the, wor- the world. You take anything, nothing lasts as long as what the Christian message has. I mean, the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, Standard Oil. (laughs) You know, like none of these things last very long. They eventually go away. So you start small. There's a story that, in fact, Jesus did this all the time. He was at a place one day and he said, hey, can you give me some bread? Well, we don't have very much. We just have a small amount. Well, give me what you have and some fish. And he fed thousands. He took small little children. He would sit them on their lap, on his lap. And then he would teach them. And then they became amazing adults later on who changed the scope of the world. In fact, Jesus said, let me tell you what's big. What's really big, folks, is when you pass out a cup of cold water. In other words, he said uh, a phrase, when you serve, that's when you're great. He said this. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. So you start small. It doesn't have to be big. You just start small. You don't have to sign up for all four of those things that I put up. Just start with one of those. That you say, I'm going to involve myself in this. And when you start small, we realize that it's small. And so we just want people to serve once a month. Once a month that you're serving in some way. In fact, one of the key phrases that we've used since we started uh, the jar is this one. Small things done with great love will change the world. Small things done with great love will change the world. Small things done with great love will change your family. Small things done with great love will change your marriage. Small things done with great love will change your life. It's the small things. You see... When God looks at us, 
God doesn't look at the tasks that we're doing, but He looks at our heart. How is our heart? He's looking at the heart today because He knows that that's where the key really is. In fact, the Bible says this. Let's read this out loud together. The Lord sees every heart and understands and knows every plan and thought. It's not the size of the job, folks. It's the size of your heart. He's looking at the motive of your heart. The real question is, what's your heart like when you're serving other people? Is your heart like my heart was yesterday with the gas attendant where I had a horrible heart? Or do you have a heart that goes in and says, no, even though the gas spilled everywhere, I'll I'll do that. When we uh, first started the jar, this uh, divider right here uh, divided the gym in half, and uh, we met on this side. And we had around 50, 70 people that would meet. And the the Muncie Mission was downtown at that time as well, and uh, now it's moved uh, over on Liberty Street, but then it was downtown, and so some of those guys would come over, and one of the first guys that ever did was a guy by the name of Roland. And uh, Roland uh, showed me the power of smallness. One day, Roland came up to me and he said, Chris, I want to serve, but I don't really have any money to give. Um, I don't have any talent, per se, that I could give. I don't have a home. I'm homeless, so I don't have a home that I could open up to have a small group in, but I'd like to serve. And so I'm I'm looking at Roland that day and I'm like, well, Roland, how, how would you like to serve? And he said, I'd like to put up the bathroom signs. Now, some of you might go, that doesn't seem that big a deal, a bathroom sign. But it was very, very important in the early days. You see, when we first started meeting here at the Y, the Y had some of the smallest bathroom signs in the history of bathroom signs. Here's one of them right here. Anybody know what that says? I'm not lying. They were so small, folks, you literally could not tell. And so what would happen regularly is people would just walk in the wrong bathroom. So, you know, that's not a good thing that should happen. So eventually what we did was we bought bought some magnets. Now they have better signage. But we bought magnet signs that look like this that are larger. And uh, every single uh, Sunday, Roland would get here early and he would put those up there. So when people would go, they'd be like, oh, I know which bathroom I need to go to. And Roland did this for years. It was amazing how our attendance grew once we actually put these up. I mean, folks, if it weren't for Roland doing these small things, we still might be known as the unisex bathroom church. You know what I mean? Because people would just walk in regardless. Now, I share that with you to say this. If we don't have a lot of people doing small little things, you know what would happen to this church? It would crumble. It would absolutely crumble. And I started thinking about it this week. What if nobody, especially on a day when the weather was bad and it was kind of tough to get out, what if our setup guys said, yeah, we're not going to show up? You wouldn't be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in. You wouldn't see the side screens. You wouldn't hear me. There'd be no stage. If one person tried to do all this, they couldn't do it. If one person tried to do the children's ministry or, uh, you know, uh, 
the media stuff. It just wouldn't happen. So this is the key, folks. You see a need, then you meet a need. You see a need, and then you meet a need. That's the way that Jesus did his entire ministry. He saw a need, and he met it. And that's the key to the equation. Because nothing that you do is too small for God. Here's the third step in serving, and it's this. Go together. You go together. If you want to be a super server, you go together. Let's take a look at this clip. Okay, we promise that even if you choose not to sign up today, we will not send them to your house, okay? Um, but we really hope that you do. It's so much better when you go together, when you serve together. And when it comes to serving, when you go together, you serve together, it's so much better. I mean, the truth of my life, folks, is that some of the best things that have happened in my life, some of the best friends that I've met are people who we serve together. Some of the best friends I have in my life are people that we regularly serve together. And that's what God does. God uses relationships because we're better together. It's not philosophical here. But it's biblical. Jesus sent people to serve. And this is what happened. It says this. He, Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and he sent them out two by two. The key to the early church was that people went together and they served together. And that should be the key to us also. You see, many hands make what? Little work, right? Many hands reduce the workload. In fact, no one here at the jar ever serves alone. I went to, to where they were serving coffee today, and there are two people there, and they're serving people who want coffee. No one serves alone. And I was thinking about it as a kid. I like to look at the Marvel comic strips, and it was always cool when it was just Superman or it was just Batman. Um, but the ones that I enjoyed the most were when all the superheroes came together and they worked together. Um, things like the Fantastic Four, X-Men, Lead of an Extraordinary Gentleman, the Avengers, um, you know, all of those. Because serving is best when we get together and we do it together. You see, each Sunday morning, folks, folks it's, it's not a Chris Bunch show. It's not the Derek Young show. It's God's show. And when there are people doing small things to elevate God, He is able to put on a show to bless your lives and make impact. Folks, when we all step up to serve, more gets done. And it's just more fun, too. You see, the Christian life, folks, was never supposed to be boring. That's why I think he, God actually put serving as a center part of it. Because as we serve, we actually get more joy. In fact, they've done research studies that people that serve, it actually allows them to have things or less things like depression, 
anxiety. Because when you give yourself away, serotonin uh, shifts in your head. Like Jen was talking about last week about thinking. And all of a sudden, you think better when you serve. You know, I was thinking about this week that we've experienced many, many blessings in this church. We grew by 10% uh, last year. We had 34 people get baptized last year. We have 11 getting baptized next week. And with all of this growth, folks, we need more volunteers. Now, we often have people that will go and they'll sign up. They just don't show up. And so I just want to encourage you that if you sign up, folks, show up. It's very, very important that you do that. So I want to encourage you to do that. Now, if you would, in your program, you should have received a card that looks like this. It says, Volunteer Now. I'd like everyone to pull it out here for a second. You can wave it a little bit if you want. Uh, but this is the card, so everybody pull that out. Now, I know some of you, again, you don't pull anything out. You don't do it. Well, just do it. Just fake, you know, like even if you're not going to serve. Just fake it. And this is what it says at the top. It says, volunteer now, because we know if we gave this to you and you went home, guess what? You'd never volunteer. So that's what we call it, volunteer now. You volunteer now. And this is what it says. Below, you will find a list of volunteer opportunities at the jar. On the back of this card is a description of what is involved in volunteering for each opportunity. After you've looked over the list, please fill out the information and circle the one that you have the most passion for. So on the back side of it, it gives a description of what it is. And as you can see, all of them are once a month. So it's not asking you to give up your entire month, just once a month that you'd reach out and serve. So if you can circle one of those. And before you leave today, there are two boxes that are in the back that you could just put one of those uh, in there. Now, some of you already serve. And I would encourage you that if you're already serving, please still fill this out because it will help us. Uh, as we uh, put schedules and that kind of thing uh, together. Now, some of you are here and you're new and you're like, well, Chris, I I don't know what to put down. I I wouldn't know what to do. What if I'm wrong? Well, it's no big deal. We're not asking you to make a perfect decision today. We just want you to step out and serve. And if it works really well, great. If it doesn't, there's other areas that you can jump into uh, later on. But if you are sitting there, and you're saying, hey, this is my church, Um, this is where I'm connected, then you want to step up, and your next step really is to serve once a month. Now, you might have questions. You're like, hey, I'd like to talk to someone about whatever. If you look over here to the left, there are four people that kind of oversee the four areas of ministry that we're asking people to step up in today. Uh, First to your left is... uh, I think that's everybody's left, yes. Uh, If you turn this way, it's your left. Uh, To my left is Patty Moore, who does our hospitality. And so if you can help with uh, greeting, uh, you make coffee, you eat donuts, again, you know, just whatever you can do, uh, we need some help there. Next is our children's and family minister, uh, which is uh, Stephanie. And Stephanie can uh, get you kind of connected. Great way to be able to do that. Next is our setup uh, coordinator, which is Chris Ross. And so uh, Chris was here early, so you had a seat to sit in. And so if you're good at doing that kind of thing, setting things up, uh, talk to Chris. And then finally is Gary, who's our teardown. And Gary will make sure that you stay today to help with... No, I'm joking. Um, 
But uh, uh, if you'd like to help with teardown just once a month, all of those things really do make an impact. And then finally, our uh, sound and media team. In the back, there's Mikey uh, waving. If you want to help with that, um, he could do that as well. Well, I'd just like to wrap up by saying this. Sometimes we're like the man who was paralyzed around the pool. And sometimes we get paralyzed because we become afraid of things. I have a feeling some of you are afraid right now. You're afraid I don't have enough time. You're afraid, what if I don't do it right? You're afraid, what if I don't click with the people who are serving? But the reality is none of those are my fears. My fear is this, that some of you might go through the rest of your life and you would never serve the greatest cause that is in the history of the world, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. But some of you might go through your life, you'll go to your deathbed, and you'll never know the joy and the blessing of what it is to serve Christ and His church. And so I want to encourage many of you, don't sit on the sidelines, get into the game just once a month to say, hey, I'm going to serve in this area. Because today, let's not turn to paralysis. Let's turn to being uh, people with servant hearts um, who serve Christ in this church. Well, at this point, I'm going to pray, and Derek's going to close us in a song called Give Me Faith. And my encouragement to you is that, that you would listen to these words and say, God, give me faith now to give myself away, to serve somebody else. And then when you're done, when you fill out your card, if you can just, like I said, drop it off in the box. If you have any questions, uh, those folks would love to do that. So let's stand and uh, let's close in prayer. And then we'll close in a song. God, I ask you right now that you would come through the power of your Holy Spirit. We know your Spirit's already been here. God, would you help us to kind of tap into it? For us to elevate our serving ability to serve your church and serve you. God, I pray that you would encourage people not to turn to excuses, but to simply start small, just just once a month, where I give myself away and see the joy that comes in stepping out in faith. God, remind every single person here today how important they are to your church. Remind them that you brought them here not just to consume, but to contribute, to give themselves away. So God, give us your courage and your faith right now. I pray in Jesus' name.